With a common misconception about teaching, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I'm just going to give all this information out and just dump facts on people when that's not teaching at all. Teachers can often confuse just the giving of facts with teaching to change someone's life. That it's not just giving of facts, but you're wanting to help them apply the truth. You want to help them put it to action and to use in their life. And you don't want to just dump information on people. It's not enough. You want to convey information in such a way where they get it, they understand it, they act upon it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Telling is not the same as teaching. You can tell someone and not have taught them. It's a common mistake. Parents, bosses, even teachers can make it. But that's not the only mistake made when it comes to teaching. Join us for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Teachers are so important in life. We all need them. Romans 12, verse 7 mentions the gift of teaching and how it's to be used. Here now to help us learn about this essential gift is Pastor Ed. They have a gift of teaching, and they want to be able to, through the Holy Spirit, to walk alongside of you and take God's Word and apply it right to your life. Another thing about a person with the gift of teaching is that you really don't like it when people don't understand you. I mean, you really want to be understood, but it frustrates you that you have done your best to explain something and the person still walks away saying, what did you say again? What was that? I didn't quite understand that. And so you're always looking for ways to be a better communicator so that more and more people will understand. You just got to realize as a teacher, different people receive different ways. They process information differently. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, then he can take his word and spread it out through a group like this and bring it home to your heart. But generally, you don't like it when people don't understand you. Now, what did this gift look like in the life of Jesus? Flip over to Mark's gospel. Remember, as we're looking at the spiritual gifts, we're defining the gift. We're defining a few characteristics of the person that has this gift. We're looking at it operate in the life of Jesus. And we're looking at it operate in the early church. And then we're going to look by the time we end at some of the dangers to avoid, some of the hazards that you want to watch out for if you happen to have this particular gift. So you know the ministry of Jesus, he is called dozens of times teacher. Around his ministry, dozens of times he's referred to or shown as a teacher or teaching. I mean, if you say, you know, you come right down to it, the ministry of Jesus Christ was one of teaching. He came to teach man that they're separated hopelessly from God because of their sin. He came to teach man of the love and the grace and the mercy that's provided to all those who will call upon the name of Jesus Christ. He came to show you, even now 2,000 years later, of God's great love for you. That if you recognize today your own sinfulness and your own separation from God, and you repent of your sins, that God, through the blood of his Son, will forgive you of your sins and radically change your life. The Bible describes that as being born again or saved or rescued by calling out upon Jesus. 
I mean, the whole life of Jesus was teaching before his resurrection and after his resurrection. Look at chapter 1 of Mark, verse 22. I didn't give you an address yet. Mark chapter 1, verse 22. The ministry of Jesus was teaching. And you'll see this over and over again. We're just going to stick into the gospel of Mark, but it's all over the gospels. It says in verse 22, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as having authority not as the scribes. I mean, his teaching was so powerful because it came, it was the real deal in Jesus' life. I mean, his teaching was so incredibly powerful, there was a distinction like, you know, you would often hear Jesus say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he said it with authority. Flip over in Mark's gospel now to chapter 6, verse 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 6. It says that he marveled because of their unbelief And then notice, because of their unbelief, as he marveled, notice what he did. He went about the villages in a circuit doing what? Teaching. You guys with me? What did he do? He was teaching. That was his ministry. He marveled their unbelief. He couldn't do a great sign there. So he went about teaching. That was a big part of his ministry. Now, chapter 12, verse 35. A few pages over. This is a great example of Jesus Christ taking the Word of God and using it to teach He goes back to the Old Testament and grabs the word and teaches. Mark chapter 12, look at verse 35. It says, Then Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. So he's pulling back from Psalms here and extending this into that day, giving application. And therefore David himself calls him Lord, How is he then his son? So we just watched him teach. And notice, the common people heard him gladly. You can jot this down, but in Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus, after the resurrection, after Jesus Christ died and he rose again, he came to those guys on the road to Emmaus, and it says, beginning back at Moses and through all the prophets, Luke chapter 24, it says that he began to expound the scriptures to them, showing them in the Old Testament truths concerning Himself. What a Bible study that must have been. Wouldn't you like to get the scroll on that? They didn't have tapes or CDs back then, but they had scrolls. Wouldn't it have been cool just to sit at his feet and hear how he went to, back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, through to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos. Oh, just go through and say, hey, this is me, this is me, this is me. It's all prophesied me, and here I am. Powerful stuff. Acts chapter 2. How did it look in the early church? Flip over to Acts chapter 2, would you? How did this gift look in the early church? Well, teaching was a very important part of the early church. And in the teaching, there was life change. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is a common passage for us. It's sort of one of those passages that brings us back to home, you know. Gives us the pattern of good, strong spiritual growth. But notice at the very beginning, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That was important to him as much as fellowship, as much as the breaking of bread, as much as prayer, was to continue steadfast in teaching in the apostles' doctrine. That's what the word doctrine means. It simply means teaching. So they learned a lot. They taught a lot. Flip over to chapter 4 now in Acts. Acts chapter 4. Pick up with me in verse 1. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Paul was a teacher. Peter was a teacher. James was a teacher. Stephen was a teacher. Many, many gifted teachers throughout the church. And as they spoke to the people, it says, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Pause there for a second. I don't want you to miss this. 
Notice that there's a distinction here between preaching and teaching. And you know there is a big difference between the two. There is a lot of preaching going on today in the pulpits across churches all over. There's a lot of preaching. Preaching, by definition, is the proclamation of the gospel to unbelievers. And so there is a necessity for preaching. There's a necessity for preaching in every Bible study. There's a necessity of preaching the gospel when you're surrounded by unbelievers. You want to tell people about God's great love for them, their horrible state in sin, the opportunity to repent. Preaching is very important. But listen, we place great, great emphasis here at Calvary when we gather together on the teaching of God's Word because while preaching is to the unbeliever, teaching is what the believer needs. You and I need to be taught. We need to know the Bible front to back, not in academics only, but by way of application and using the Bible. It needs to flow through our lives. We need to understand from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, what does the Bible say? What does it mean for me? And how does God want me to live this truth out? Some of you, you know what I mean when there is a ministry that is emphasizing preaching. You tend to develop this very strong wave of guilt among the believers. I mean, there's this pattern of there's always rededications. There's, come on up, rededicate it. I make you feel guilty. If I haven't made you feel guilty yet, I've got some more. So if you don't, come on up. Let's rededicate. And you get into this cycle. You rededicate every week instead of just living your life for Jesus and being built up on his love and his grace. I'm not saying there aren't times or necessities where we get onto a life where we need to come back to reality, maybe a prodigal situation or a time where you've strayed away, where you need to get right with the Lord. I'm not opposed to that. We certainly do wander off at times. It's not unusual for believers to stray. But when you're under a ministry of constant preaching and you're already saved, you're really not growing in the grace of God. You need to be, and I need to be taught the Word of God. And even here in the early church, even with Jesus, there's a distinction between preaching and teaching. And so we see that here. Now, regular, systematic teaching of the Word of God is the primary function of the pastor-teacher. That is my responsibility in that gifting of pastor-teacher. I am responsible to regularly, systematically teach God's Word to you. Jot these down if you're taking notes. I'll read a few passages to you. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. It's very important that you're able to teach. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Titus is told to hold fast these faithful words as he's been taught, the leader. Hold fast that he may be able by sound doctrine or sound teaching both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Paul even told Timothy, he said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. The primary role of the pastor teacher is to regularly, continually, and systematically teach you the Word of God. And the gift is powerful in the church, and it's needed. Someone once said that a teacher affects eternity, and you really never know when your influence will stop. That's how powerful Bible teaching is. You never know when. You might be teaching today, and five years later, it makes a connection with someone. You never know where that is going to end as you regularly teach the Word. Now, if you have the gift of teaching, there are some dangers 
for you to watch out for. So you might want to jot these down if you're sensing that this is your gifting or if you're sensing that none of these are your gifting right now, like for instance, we've looked at three already. We've looked at the gift of teaching, the gift of ministry, and the gift of prophecy. And you think, well, nope, I don't have any of those three gifts and I, I don't know what my gift is yet. Then there's a couple things for you to understand. Number one, God has given you a gift. You don't need to worry about it. He has gifted you. We still have four more gifts to cover, so perhaps a God will unveil that. By the time you finish all seven, you're going to know what gift you have or what gifts you have, these motivational gifts. And so just stick with it and be encouraged. So you think you have the gift of teaching. Here are some things to watch out for. And you may want to just pray through these. You don't have the gift of teaching to be patient with those that do because they might fall into these traps in front of you and with you. So number one, the gift of teaching. You need to be careful in your gift of teaching because you may show a lack in your preparation. You may show a lack in your preparation. What I mean by that is because teaching and studying becomes, is so natural to you, it comes so easy to you, there is that temptation not to spend the kind of time you need to in study. You might just take something from someone else. You might not even study that time. You might just jot down some notes and you just decide, you know, this weekend, I think I don't need to really teach all that much. I'm just going to, well, I'm just going to wing it. You know, I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants. And you may be doing that. And that's a temptation that you fall into as a teacher. It's one you need to avoid. You know, you might look at it as just flying by the seat of your spiritual pants. But a lack of preparation is actually just winging it in your flesh. You know what? God's going to still take his word, and he's still going to connect it with his people. But you know, no one else may even know this. I mean, you may be able to come off and pull off a Bible study that everybody leaves going, Yahoo, that was awesome. But you know that you were lazy, and you know that you didn't put time into it, and you know that that's a pattern in your life, and you know that it needs to be repented of, or pretty soon God's going to pull you out of the teaching ministry. And so you want to prepare. You want to be careful. Number two, Another danger of a person with the gift of teaching is that you view yourself or you become just a fact dumper. And that's what you think teaching is. That you're going to gain a lot of facts and you're just going to give them away. I mean, you're the kind, it could be that, where, where in Bible teaching you may have 50 pages of notes and you're determined to teach all 50 pages and just give it out. That's your responsibility. I'm just going to give all this information out and just dump facts on people when that's not teaching at all. Teachers can often confuse just the giving of facts with teaching to change someone's life. That it's not just giving of facts, but you're wanting to help them apply the truth. You want to help them put it to action and to use in their life. And you don't want to just dump information on people. It's not enough. You want to convey information in such a way where they get it, they understand it, they act upon it. Here's a third danger you want to watch out for. As a person gifted with the gift of teaching, you may begin to lack humility. You may become very prideful in your teaching. Because as a teacher, it's such a danger for you and me because we delve and we live in the realm of information, facts, and knowledge. And you know what the Bible says. You can jot this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Yeah, some of you know that already. Knowledge puffs up. It can make you a very prideful person. You can start to feel really good about yourself that you actually know more than most people on the topic. I know more of the Bible than you do. You didn't know that simple truth. You didn't even know where John 3.16 is. It's at John 3.16. That's where it is. How could you not know that? 
And you start to be a pompous, arrogant, prideful person. It's a danger. Knowledge puffs up, but the rest of that verse says love edifies, and you need both. You need the knowledge because that's what a teacher works with, knowledge and information, but we also need to temper that with love and a care and concern for the people in front of us. We don't want to be, we don't want to fall into the trap of being prideful and trying to lord over people because we know more than they do. We just want to give the information in such a way where they catch it and where Jesus is elevated. And so be careful of that. It's a danger. Number four, another danger for the teacher is that you begin to lack integrity. Not only could you lack humility, but you can also begin to lack integrity. You know what this looks like? Well, let me tell you. A teacher needs to be walking what they're talking. It's very important that you live out what you're teaching. I mean, let's say, let's say that God has put a burden on you to teach marriages. Well, your marriage better be in order. You've got this call to convey information to a particular group on a particular topic, then in your teaching, as you're giving information to someone else, there better be an element in your life where you're walking what you're talking. A teacher must be walking what they're talking or they should just sit down and be quiet, especially in God's church. I'm not talking about perfection here. No teacher is going to stand before an audience spiritually perfect. Me, no one else. I'm not talking about the day-to-day struggles we may have. We may stumble. We might get in the flesh. We might have issues. I'm not talking about those things because when you stumble and you fall and you get into the flesh, you're quick to repent. You're quick to be right with God. You do what's right when you fail. What I am talking about is this gross division between a person's life and to what they're teaching. The Bible needs to come through you, not just from you. You need to live out the truths of God's Word. You need to be able to apply them first. Well, I'm going to be this great teacher, but your life's a mess. You know, one thing I've been watching in the church lately, I've seen it, it breaks my heart. You'll you'll see pastors, I know you've heard of them. I don't know how much perspective you see of what I have seen, but we've all seen pastors fall into gross and moral sin. And then the elders of the church will do the right thing. They will examine the scriptures, they will pray through it, and the decision will be to remove that person from ministry for a season, for a time, who knows how long, and begin to minister to them to their, in, their, in their family, begin to serve them, get them out of the pulpit. They have disqualified themselves from the ministry, not permanently necessarily, just for a season. Let's start the work of restoration. Let's start what God wants to do. And so the leadership of the church will do that, but then what will happen is the congregation will rise up and say, no, 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 you can't take him away from us. He's such a great teacher. Let me just say, don't do that. What do you mean he's such a great teacher? He's not even living out the teaching in his own life. Let's give them time away from the responsibility of teaching. Let's bring them to a place of godly sorrow and repentance. And there's this dichotomy among believers. We don't care what he's done. He's a good teacher. No, no, listen. There there are people on TV right now that have gone through their fourth and their fifth marriage. And they're raking in millions of dollars because, oh, they're a great teacher. Listen, don't fall into the trap of lacking humility and lacking integrity. If things aren't right, if things aren't being lived out in your life, why don't you ask for help? And we would love to help you. We would love to come alongside of you and and be used of God to rescue you so that your gifts can really be used, so that you can really flourish, for your teaching to be effective, church. Any of you gifted with this gift of teaching, for your teaching to be effective, it needs to come through you, not just from you. It needs to be lived out in your life. Number five, a danger of teaching now that all of us face 
those with the gift of teaching, you can easily forget your audience. You can easily forget who's in front of you. You know, one of the great things about teaching is you're able to take something really, really complicated and simplify it, but you can also do the opposite. You can take something very, very simple and make it very, very complicated because you've forgotten your audience. Let me just say, if you really have this gift of teaching and you want to exercise it, teach kids. Teach in our Sunday school. Go down and begin to teach those youngsters the wonderful truths of the Bible. Help them to understand it at their level. Because you can't just go to Sunday school and start dropping Greek and Hebrew on them. They're not going, what, what, what? You know, you could be preparing 100 hours. You've got that perfect 50-minute, five-point message for the kids. You go through it, and all the kids were thinking about was, man, it would have been, it's really hot today. It would have been nice to have an ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. Ice cream would be good. You want ice cream? What kind of ice cream do you want? That's what they're talking about in the corner, you know. They're not going, oh, great point, man. Great Greek, great. They're like, I think I think I have some ice cream. So that if I was taking this message and I was teaching kids with it, the first thing I'd do was bring some ice cream with me, right? <laughs> and then I'd shorten it down, and then I would use applications that the kids would understand. I'd be talking about the monkey bars and about school and about siblings and I would help them understand how they can teach their brother and sister about something or how they could teach their friend when they have a little clubhouse and I would remember the audience. You know, if I was teaching this Bible study to a group of men, I would be a lot sterner because men need to be stirred up. And so I'd find some points that would really stir the men up. If I was teaching married couples, I would take this Bible study and I would refine it to knowing my audience and making sure that as I'm praying through it, that God would give me the applications and the pictures to help the audience understand. And sometimes a teacher falls into the trap where they just forget who they're teaching. And it's never a bad thing to keep your Bible studies simple, 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 simple. Because in teaching the Bible, you don't need to impress anybody. It's much more important that people understand God's Word than them being impressed with your great teaching skills. Because if you're exercising the gift of teaching, they're really not your teaching skills after all. They're just God working through you. You know, Jesus, he said, feed my sheep, didn't he? He didn't say, feed my giraffes. <laughs> he says, make it easy for them to understand. Make it easy for people to understand. I love J. Vernon McGee because that great radio preacher used to talk about taking the cookies and putting them on the lower shelf. And what he meant by is taking those big, hard, difficult things, making them palatable and making them on the lower shelf so everybody could access them and receive them. And it's important. Someone once said this in remarking about teachers. said, some teachers are like aviators. They announce a text, taxi for a short distance, then take off from earth and disappear into the clouds. After that, all you hear is the sound of them flying way over your head. And so be careful not to fly over the head of your audience. Remember your audience. And so God has given some men and women in the church this supernatural ability to teach the Bible in a way that it can be understood in its meaning and also understood in how it applies to our lives. And we thank God that he has given us teachers to help us to grow in not only by example, but also by word as they teach the word of God we're surrounded by wonderful teachers that also live it out. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. He's been encouraging teachers to live what they teach. And this is Abounding Grace. 
If you enjoyed the content, why not share it with someone you know or give it another listen yourself at a later date? That's easy to do when you go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. I should also mention Abounding Grace is available by podcast and through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. How close are we to the end? And is Jesus coming soon? Questions like these are being asked during the global pandemic. Don Stewart looks into this in a book we'd like to get into your hands. It's titled, 25 Signs We Are Near the End. Don examines what the Bible has to say about coming events and what will take place at the time of the end. And he does so in an easy-to-understand manner. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. It's your generous support that helps us come to you each day on this station, so thank you for standing with us in this difficult time. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry, that can be done with relative ease online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the app. We live stream all of our services here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can either go to our app or calvaryco.church on the web. You can watch us on Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45 in the morning. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. too. We're not quite halfway through the list of gifts found in Romans. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue with the gift of exhortation. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.